Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. Archie Mann, formerly a freelance journalist, now full-time with Canada Land because you are the new host of Commons. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Briefly tell the people what you're going to be looking at this season of Commons. So for this whole season, we're going to be looking at the question of exactly how corrupt Canada is. You know, I think we've got a sense that Canada is this uh, paradise that's free from the avarice that you see in other places. But there are stories in the headlines all the time, and there are stories that aren't in the headlines that uh, indicate otherwise. So we're going to be taking a look in various provinces and various parts of the country and really focus in on that question, just exactly how corrupt Canada is. And uh, yeah, I really hope folks will tune in. Well, I know a bit about what you're looking at, and it absolutely shocked me. Everybody should check this out. The first episode of the new season of Commons with Archie Mann is going to drop in October. If you have not subscribed to Commons, go do so now. Archie, today on Shortcuts, we are going to talk about, yes, Doug Ford and the notwithstanding clause. We have to. We're going to. And we're going to have a look at the favorite media of the alleged Fredericton shooter. Good to have you here. Happy to be here. This episode of Shortcuts is brought to you by Emily Crawley, Melanie Gorman-Ing, Norman Hames, Kimberly Stevens, Aaron Dent, John DeYoung, Isaiah Windraith, and Mike Kitchen. 
Hi, my name is Mike Kitchen. I'm an engineer in Black Diamond, Alberta, and I support Canada Land because I don't believe anyone else is doing what you're doing out there. This episode, Archie, is also brought to you by our founding sponsor, FreshBooks. I don't need to sell you on FreshBooks. You are no longer a freelancer. You have a full-time job with us. You don't have to submit invoices to Canada Land. But if you were still a freelancer, Archie, I would be suggesting to you that this is the solution to freelancers and small businesses. And anybody who wants to save, uh, they've quantified this. They like quantifying things. 192 hours a year of precious time getting paid quicker, managing your books quicker, dealing with your taxes quicker. They have rebuilt this thing from the ground up. It is a breeze to use. There are over 10 million people in the world who have used FreshBooks to deal with their paperwork. It is an accounting department for people like me who cannot afford accounting departments and who don't like doing that kind of stuff. So if you have not used this and you need to do any of these things, you should just try it out because it's free because you listen to this show. Go to freshbooks.com slash CanadaLand. Try it out for free for 30 days, unrestricted free trial. At some point they may ask you, how did you hear about us? At which point, say Canada Land. And Arshi, before we begin, I have some news as well. I am speaking to you from Thunder Bay, where I am working on our upcoming Thunder Bay podcast, and uh, I want to work on it pretty intensively. And so I am going to be taking Monday Canada Lands off for a little while. We have an incredible roster of guest hosts filling in for me. Yes, Alameen Abdelmahmoud, who listeners have loved in the past, but we're also trying some new stuff out. Novelist Sheila Hetty will be guest hosting Canada Land. Cartoonist Chip Zdarsky will be guest hosting Canada Land. I will still be on Shortcuts every Thursday, but I think we're going to have an interesting run on the Monday show of Canada Land over the next couple of months. Check it out. Our first order of business will be to reintroduce the Better Local Government Act and with it invoke Section 33 of the Constitution. My direction to our House Leader and Whip is to do what it takes to ensure that this law, which has already been passed once already, is reintroduced, voted on, and passed again on the quickest possible timetable. Okay, Arshi, I'm sure that everybody outside of Ontario is sick of hearing about this, but too bad, it's a big deal. The notwithstanding clause, everybody who wants to get into the guts of this can hear on, on our podcast, Wag the Doug, Allison and Jonathan get into the politics and the policy and the legal side even of the notwithstanding clause. And it's really fun to listen to that episode of Wag the Doug because it's rare to hear Goldsby angry. He's very, very angry. He's animated, at least. <laughs> he is animated, and uh, and he's just he's just very ticked off in his way. So you should check that out. But I want to talk about how this played out because it was like, with the exception of the Toronto Sun, who ran <laughs> the very plaintive headline, Doug had no choice. Was it Ford had no choice? He had no choice. I think everybody else, like everybody else uh, from both sides of the political spectrum in media and in the political class is united in like they're all, like falling over themselves to decry this thuggish overreach. Does that sound about accurate? You know, I think the first thing to understand about Ford's use of the notwithstanding clause and everyone's response to it is that this is the journalism class's kind of dream scenario. We're talking about a story that's centered in Toronto. It involves a Ford. It involves constitutional issues, and it involves Section 33 in particular, which so many political science students have written 
bad papers about, many of whom went on to be journalists. So, you know, you're not wrong when you say that that folks are actually fairly united. But more than that, they're interested. You know, when it comes to the actual response, I am a little bit surprised by the unanimity of it. I was expecting a bit more division. I mean, personally, I do think it is fairly despotic for him to uh, not necessarily to invoke the notwithstanding clause. You know, it's in the Constitution. You obviously can use it if you're in a position uh, like Premier Ford. But it's this idea that he can use it at any point on any issue and shamelessly taking away the courts as a, and, and charter challenges as a legitimate avenue to oppose him. So, yeah, people are kind of united in their worry, but I think there's good reason to be. It's funny because everything you just listed off, it just gets poli-sci students and, and political people and, and journalists so excited are like the words that just like turn off our readers in droves. And it's <laughs> it's been so funny to read everybody competing to denounce and decry Ford with the most forceful language. And I think Andrew Coyne wins when he described Ford as lurching towards a crowbar. That's a very evocative <laughs> image. I like that a lot, lurching towards a crowbar. But there's like this division between the punditry and then when you get to the kind of like the service journalism side of this and the kind of like, you know, for the kitchen table, there's just like a dozen explainers for Joe Lunchpail. What is the notwithstanding clause? Why does the notwithstanding clause even exist? You know, the, the assumption being that nobody knows what the fuck this is. And it's it's kind of like a, a crucial aspect of, of the charter and of our constitution that like you can't take for granted Canadians even know. Like Americans are like First Amendment, like they'll, they'll actually cite specific amendments to their constitution as like sacrosanct, like just holy articles that they, you know, will die for. And Canadians, it's like, let us explain to you the mechanism by which your rights are being denied to you. You know, to, to be fair to Canadians, Americans have had a few hundred years to figure out their constitution and figure out which amendment is which. Canadians, we've had a little over 30 years. This thing is still fairly new to us. It's going to take a little while for us to really, you know, ease into it and get comfortable with it, really, you know, move our elbows around the charter and get a feel for it. So uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little bit sympathetic on that. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, you know, the media could do worse than to simply explain things to people. You know what, Arshi, with that in mind, here's I, and I'm not a constitutional scholar. Uh, by any means, and not an expert on these matters. Oh, I don't but believe I, you for a second, Jesse. No, no, really, really. I don't know much about this, I assure you. But nevertheless, I am going to step forward with the Canada Land explainer to the notwithstanding clause. Are you ready for this? I'm not sure I am, but let's do it anyways. All right, this is such quintessentially Canadian bullshit. The notwithstanding clause is like, yeah, okay, everybody, it's the 80s. We should probably have a Charter of Rights and Freedoms. But like, let's not get all overly rightsy about it. You know, the way that Americans are so annoying about their rights, don't tread on me. Uh, you know, like they're going around quoting, as I say, the First and Second Amendment, like it, it, it's so important to them. That's so aggressive. It's That's not us. Let's bake into this a safe word in case all of the freedom stuff gets too heavy. If the kids abuse their rights and they eat too much sugary cereal and the courts are all like, well, you know, we're sorry, Mr. Premier, but they're well within their rights. We need to have like a magic word notwithstanding. And then the grownups can settle things down. But don't worry, don't worry, because like we're never going to use it. We're never going to use the damn thing. It's just there to help us sleep better at night and swallow this whole we're going to actually have rights. This is getting thing. way too sexual, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> 
I find it very offensive that you're talking about my constitutional monarchy in those terms. Well, you know, I'm arousing some people. I think that the thing is that in in trying to make the most Canadian version of enshrining rights into some kind of constitution and having an escape clause, nobody ever figured that the person who might be in a position to abuse that would be the most aggressive, ugly American-style Canadian that we've perhaps ever produced. You know, and so it's, it's, it, that's why this whole thing is so funny to me, because what the Andrew Coins and everybody else who's just like, this is shocking, this is shocking, like, they're sputtering, how dare he is their point, like, how dare he, and, and really, it's like the greatest sin is that he's broke decorum, you know, is that he's being really, really impolite to disregard the fact that, like, yes, you're allowed to have this, like, we gave you this power, it's right there for you to press, but you're not supposed to, it's really rude, you're being such a jerk, and, like, The idea, I think, is that if you are going to use it, you need to be very solemn. You have to, like, pay some lip service to how how serious this is, that you've weighed your options, but you have no other choice. The circumstances are extraordinary. You can't be just like Doug Ford who's just like, what do you want? The judge was a jerk. Who elected him anyhow? Dalton McGinty? Well, fuck both of those guys. Smashy, smashy, notwithstanding. It's, It's been judo flipped on us. And, you know, as much as a person can be amused by having his rights completely revoked, by a despotic overlord uh, in kind of a shockingly short period of time, I am amused by this whole thing. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you're finding some personal enjoyment out of this, and I'm sure you'll continue to be amused when Doug Ford uses the notwithstanding clause to, you know, abrogate any rights that children have to to sex education if that charter challenge goes through, to uh, if the OPP comes knocking on your door and starts uh, arbitrarily detaining people and uh, good old 40 uh, notwithstands that as well. I'm glad that uh, you find that uh, to be a nice, amusing joke, Jesse. There's someone think- that's benefiting from this, and that that's what really makes me happy. <laughs> I think you took this exactly where it needs to go. It's not funny, right? Like, it's not funny. You can laugh at it now because it's sort of the thing where people are like, I think that the public will see. There's like rallies planned. It's kind of, I'm curious to see if civil society can be, you know, have its cage rattled and will show up or not. Because I don't know that people care that much about this, like, city councilor's issue. But you bring up where the rub is and why it's not, like, going to be cool for much longer for me to be smirking about this. Because, like, I think that the media is making a really big mistake in characterizing him as just, like, guerrilla-ing this thing, you know? Mm. That there's no rhyme or reason to it. Like, I think we need to wake up and realize that this is not a tantrum he's throwing. Or maybe it's not just a tantrum, because it's it's actually a very good strategy to make an immediate bully play like this. Like, to shiv the biggest guy in the prison yard on your first day, to make it known to everybody that you will guerrilla any issue, you'll put your full weight into it no matter how small it is, you'll bring a bazooka to a knife fight. Because you loco, man, so everybody just back the fuck up and bow down to King Doug. You know, that's that we've seen it play out. Like, what was Trump's uh, initial overreach about? It was like, I will go to the mat for anything, so back off. I don't think you're wrong on that. I think this is part of a deliberate strategy. That doesn't mean that it isn't also avarice. It doesn't mean that it isn't also just coming from Ford's gut and is a way for him to settle old scores at Toronto City Council. But, you know, in in the waning years of the Harper government, they were constantly stymied by the courts. And they didn't use the notwithstanding clause. They, despite the fact they had a majority government and could have done that, they, you know, just kind of rolled over, passed new legislation, whether it was on sex work or on other issues. 
But I think if you're looking at it from the Ford government's perspective, all right, you have a majority. You want to do all of these things. What's going to get in the way? It's those pesky judges and and law. Law is going to always get in your way. So maybe it will be an effective play. But at the same time... Archie, totally different playbook. Totally different. Like the Harper playbook was sneaking arguably extreme policy, right-wing policy uh, under Canadian's nose by not acting like you're a thuggish, you know, right-winger. This is the totally different playbook. This is the Trump playbook. It's the opposite. It's coming on as strong as possible. And I think he picked the right issue because, frankly, the stakes are incredibly low when it comes to the number of city councillors we have. You know, I'm not in favor personally of the changes, especially just because it's it'll be harder for these counselors to do their jobs. And it'd be nice if I think if counselors are able to represent fewer people so that they could actually have some kind of authentic connection to those folks. But at the same time, so what if there's half a city council? You know, that's not actually a policy that's going to directly impact people's lives. So if this is the testing ground, if this is the proving ground of whether or not he can get away with this kind of thing, I think he picked a fight that he's probably going to win and that not a lot of folks are going to be very sympathetic to the other side on. You know, what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like back up my skepticism and cynicism on this. Let's be optimistic. There are rallies planned. Like the only thing, it's not going to be a bunch of pundits. It's not going to be Andrew Coyne that pushes back against this. It's going to be a massive public outcry. And if if our civil society can muster that up, that would would work. He would back down if they were banging on his on his door at Queen's Park incessantly. We'll see. But it's going to be a massive public outcry in downtown Toronto and downtown Toronto alone, a part of the province he doesn't really need votes in. Yeah, maybe. I'm in Thunder Bay right now. And with the basic income thing getting scrapped, people here are pissed, too. We'll see. Arshi is a regular listener and sometime participant to the Shortcuts podcast. You are familiar with our feature, Duly Noted. Have you something to note? I do, Jesse. Please proceed then. So there was a wonderful column this week in the National Post that really reached a new height of, uh, of ridiculousness for me. It was by Christy Blatchford called, I don't want a man in my shoes or in my nail salon. The subhead, which, which I think is just glorious. There are as many men in the big chairs and salons as chicks getting their nails done. And that's just not right. I don't know why, but it isn't. I, I really appreciate that Blatchford is just just. Not even making an argument here. It's a series of kind of non sequiturs threaded together. She she goes off against the Sunday New York Times edition. It's getting too big. Then kind of switches over talking about how much she loves a pedicured man foot, but just doesn't want to see that in her nail salon. And then there's a strange passage about sexual assault, which I wasn't too sure what was going on there. To me, this column is kind of like one of those old Beatles songs, like A Day in the Life or Strawberry Fields Forever, where you kind of have like two songs and they stitch them together and make them one song that were just kind of lying on the production floor. You know, I feel like Blatchford here had a column that was half about how much she doesn't like the New York Times these days and a third about getting her her manicures and pedicures and and now men are, are doing it as well. 
And then just a, a little bit of the classic Blatchford anti-caring about sexual assault rant that we're also familiar with. And I thought it, it really, you know, bringing all of those elements in really elevated it to a next level National Post column. And, and I just appreciated the craftsmanship of it. <laughs> you know, I had her on the show a long time ago when things were a little bit more civil between us. And, you know, one thing I gave her credit for, and she said, you know, I don't write out of my ass. You know, I, I disagreed with her so frequently, but she was a working reporter. Like, she wasn't just phoning in stray observations based on, like, what she would be doing anyhow if she wasn't uh, one of the highest paid newspaper columnists in the country. She was still a working reporter. I respected her work ethic. Uh, you know, duly noted. <laughs> what do you got, Jesse? Okay. Listeners may remember that like uh, summer before last, I had a guy named Bob Cox on the show. He is the publisher of the Winnipeg Free Press. And he was on Canada Land to talk about his lobby group, News Media Canada. They had just renamed themselves. They had previously been Newspapers Canada. And uh, now they were lobbying the government for a newspaper bailout. And, you know, I was kind of taking him to task, like, you're calling yourself News Media Canada as if you represent all of the news media. You don't represent me. You don't represent any digital companies. This is just a newspaper lobby group trying to get a newspaper bailout. You can't even sign up as a digital news company on your site for inclusion. And he said, well, that's not true. That's not fair. Give us time. We'll, we'll fix that on the site. And, uh, you know, we are trying to get a, a bailout for the news industry, but it's not just for newspapers. It's for innovation, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. That is the context. Fast forward, they did get a bailout, not nearly the one they wanted, much, much smaller, like $10 million for the whole industry per year, as opposed to like $350 million per year. So they're still at it. They're still lobbying the government for a bigger newspaper subsidy. And in order to get the government on side, they are going to need public support. They need like thousands of Canadians to say, yes, we want the government to bail out the news business. And so to get the public on board, I have learned that they are about to roll out a national PR campaign for something that they're calling National Newspaper Week. And uh, what I want to duly note about that, uh, I have learned through Jeff Elgie, who is a guy who runs Village Media, which is a digital news company. He found out that uh, this PR campaign that they're going to be rolling out next week is paid for in part by the federal government. I'm told they asked for $380,000 from the Heritage Ministry. Not sure how much of that they actually got, but they got, they got money from the government. And that's money from the government not to do journalism, but to tell Canadians that newspapers are really important, okay? To try to get Canadians to sign their petitions, to sign up to their mailing lists. And what they're going to do is they're going to take those mailing lists and petitions and use them to lobby the government. So the government is subsidizing the newspaper business to lobby the government for more subsidies. Archie, that's not even the part that I want to duly note. Uh, you know, like <laughs> I said, I found out about this from, uh, from Jeff Elgie. He's pissed off because he's getting thrown under the bus. Like he is one of the digital news companies that signed up with this lobby group, took them at their word that they're there to, you know, like that's a big question is if there is a newspaper bailout, who's going to get it? Is it just a newspaper bailout for the struggling, dying uh, legacy newspapers or is it going to go to all people providing news? Is it a newspaper bailout or a news bailout? This does not bode well. Uh, if they actually do get the $300 million, uh, you know, the fact that they're positioning themselves as the newspaper industry and not the news industry doesn't bode well for digital companies. But that's not the part that I'm duly noting either. Arshi, the part that I'm going to duly note, do you yes. know, do you know, <laughs> sir, what kind of PR campaign this is? How are they spending whatever they got out of that $380,000 ask? Where 
Where will Canadians see ads for this national newspaper week? Is is it in newspapers, Jesse? It is not, my friend. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) You will soon be asked to sign their petition to hit like on Facebook. (laughs) Participate in National Newspaper Week through their Facebook ad buy. So so this is government money going to newspapers that they're going to give to Facebook, which has been eating all of the newspaper's revenue in order to convince the government to give the newspapers the money that Facebook took from them. Mwah. Do I have that it's, right? It's, it, it's, per, it's like a diamond. It's so perfect. <laughs> Duly noted. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Arshi, I'm sure you heard about this terrible shooting in Fredericton. There's a story that's coming out about this that involves a guy who I met, actually, this, this blogger in Fredericton. Charles LeBlanc. And the backstory here is that Charles LeBlanc did a video interview with a protester who he saw. He had kind of like this sign that was hard to decipher something about anti-Sharia, but it was kind of a gibberish sign. didn't make much sense to him. And and this was back in summer of 2017, June 2017. And so uh, he shot this interview just asking the guy about his views and about what kind of media he consumed. And Arshia's fate would have it that guy who had been protesting outside the legislature, uh, Matthew Vincent Raymond, went on this past August, just last month, to allegedly shoot two police officers and two civilians. So that brings a lot of interest back to this original video that was shot with the guy. And when Charles LeBlanc asks him where he's getting his ideas about this Muslim infiltration, about Sharia law, this paranoid-sounding stuff, he cites the rebel. He gets his news from the rebel. The news that everyone's getting is not always 
the exact truth. They are more biased. They will say. Where do you get want. your news? Oh, I get it from from the internet. Uh, duh. Numerous, where? 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 Are you sites. afraid to say where? Where are you getting your news? Sites. Where? What, what makes you so I upset? I don't go with every bit of info. They talk about the borders and stuff, and they talk about that on Rebel Media. Oh, Rebel Media, there's a website. Now, Archie, before we knew that he was a Rebel fan, before we knew anything about the identity of the Fredericton shooter, Ezra Levant, the uh, Rebel chief commander, did one of those Twitter polls where he asked, the killer in yesterday's Fredericton mass shooting has been in custody for a day, but police won't release his name. The media party isn't curious. Why? Just regular red tape? That one got 8%. You know, rules, that only got 7%. He's quote-unquote mentally ill, 15%. And then the winning answer for Ezra Levant's poll, religion of peace. So there you have in the aftermath of the shooting, before we knew that this was a, an alleged white shooter, Ezra Levant insinuating very strongly, suggesting, and I think libeling Muslims of Canada, saying we're going to find out that this shooter is, is a Muslim extremist. And that was before it was revealed that he was a white guy who was a big fan of the rebel. I mean, are, are we surprised by any of this at this point. You know, we, we've seen a number of shootings, attacks, threats across North America, Britain, of folks who are who are consuming this far-right media, who are obsessed with these Islamophobic conspiracy theories, and who are willing to inflict violence out there. You know, these folks are not dissimilar to the people who are radicalized by ISIS. They're, in some ways, two sides of the same coin. They're folks with violent impulses who are fed a steady stream of hateful bullshit and then use that to justify the violence that they want to inflict in the world. You know, when when I was watching this video, in some ways it was hard not to laugh because it was such a ridiculous conversation. This guy was saying that, okay, the Muslims are coming to take over everything. Just look at what they did in St. John's, Newfoundland. St. John's, Newfoundland, where there are about 3,000 Muslims, there's one mosque in the entire province, and this guy was claiming that Muslims got a crucifix taken down from the top of a church. And there's no evidence of that ever happening. It's unclear where that theory even came from. It, it doesn't appear to come from the rebel as far as I can tell, but maybe it came from some other adjacent type site or some, uh, you know, white supremacist forum. But, you know, he took this as fact. He really believed that the Muslims of Newfoundland are so powerful and so kind of themselves xenophobic that they're now taking down crucifixes off of churches. And it would be hilarious if it wasn't for the fact that he went on to kill a bunch of, of innocent people afterwards, seemingly based off of this uh, absurd worldview that he holds. Yeah, they got blood on their hands, for real. It's not the first time they have blood on their hands. Like when in the UK, Darren Osborne, the alleged Finsbury Park attacker, this guy uh, allegedly drove a van into a crowd. He killed somebody. A lot of people were injured. Uh, he had been in touch with Tommy Robinson, who's a rebel contributor at the time. Tommy Robinson had told him via email, there is a nation within a nation forming just beneath the surface of the UK. It's a nation built on hatred, on violence, and on Islam. That's the same message that rebel supporters received, like like identically uh, when they signed up for the rebel. Like they are promoting a you know crusade manifesto that it is inspiring people to do murder and uh, you know Bissonette there's no evidence connecting him to the rebels uh, explicitly he was uh, I think a Gavin McInnes fan 
among other, you know, the people in that same kind of like alt-right media sphere. Uh, this stuff has consequences and it is resulting in people's deaths. You know, I don't think a lot of Canadians really do realize how important the rebel is in the international media sphere. This is one of our most successful media startups, right? Like this is one of our best kind of media exports out there. So when you when you talk about England, if you look at the impact that a guy like Tommy Robinson, you know, the a former founder of the English Defense League, essentially a neo-Nazi white supremacist organization that Robinson, you know, now says like, "Oh, well, <laughs> Don't worry about that thing. Now I'm just angry at the Muslims. But Robinson is a major voice in these these kind of debates that are happening in England and is uh, is at the center of a lot of major issues that he's placed himself at the center at. And so, you know, and you can see the effect that folks like Lauren Southern, who's also no longer with the rebel, but is, you know, rebel trained. And they're the ones who really made her a star. The effect that she's having internationally as well on debates, whether it's, you know, white farmer genocide in South Africa, which is not happening just for the record, or, you know, immigrants storming the, uh, you know, the gates of Europe as if it's the siege of Vienna all over again. You know, the rebel really is having a major impact on these discussions internationally. And in, it's not just in Canada, and it is dangerous, and these folks are acting in bad faith, and I'm, I'm ashamed that we helped create them as Canadians. They've been on the ropes for a while, but it's still consequential stuff, and, you know, we'll just keep our eye on them as we've been doing. Yep. Okay, Archie, thanks very much. That's Canada Land Shortcuts. Anybody can email me about this show. I'm at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read everything you send. And our Twitter account is at canadaland. Archie, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at archieman, or uh, you can listen in on October 2nd to the first episode of the new season of Candleland Commons. October 2nd, subscribe now if you haven't already. This episode was produced by David Crosby. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton. Syndication is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. If you like what we do, please support us at patreon.com slash CanadaLand. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.